jump immediately into his story so i have old boomer boomer parents and they actually listen to the podcast but they only they only listen if it's on youtube right and it's not a big deal they're still figuring out what a podcast is right they all they know right now is i upload a video to youtube and occasionally they uh, listen or watch watch it uh, but having boomer parents or uh, i guess older parents you um, you look at life a bit differently, right? And I think this is true no matter uh, whether your parents are boomers, zoomers, or Xers. Eventually, there are some individuals who are born at a stage in uh, their parents' life where you know their parents are old as fuck. They're like, Jesus Christ, how am I so young and how are you so fucking old? And it's the opposite for some people. Some people come into this world and like, Jesus Christ, how are you my mom? You just graduated high school. What the fuck is going on here? Um, so we have this weird, uh, I mean, it's the whole, I guess you would say, gamut of possibilities. You can be born into this world. You can be born into a family where your mom's old as fuck or your mom's young as fuck. doesn't really matter because reproduct- reproduction has its own rules. So where am I driving at? I'm driving at this, right? So when you have older parents, right, there's different things you have to learn about. And uh, one of the many things I've learned recently about older parents is that um, it's like this. People people might not understand this because as when you're young, everybody is like a book, essentially, where the last time you met them it let's say you haven't seen your friend in three years okay and you're a young person and you meet them again it seems as though young people can pick up a relationship right where they left off right and it's no problem at all okay but older people when they meet you they're still trying to remember what the fuck they did earlier today 
good luck having them remember what happened in the past. Okay. And they start, and here's one thing I, I, I've really appreciated as having an older parent. Like, what's the fucking point of this story, Provo Kid? You sound depressing as fuck. Um, here's the point. Right, I never really appreciated my youth. A lot of people have attachments, right? So my biggest attachment is my youth. I love being young. So many, and I'm, to a lot of people, I'm old as fuck, which scares me as well. People look at me and say, Jesus Christ, look at you, Provo kid. You think you're young? You're fucking, you ain't, you ain't young. You're old as fuck. Okay, people look at me and they tell me I'm old as fuck. But what I really do believe is that I enjoy my youth and I am very much attached to it. But having older parents has helped me, I guess, kind of open my eyes to the fact that, oh, (laughs) you're not the same person your whole life. And it seems as though we are the same person our entire lives. And to me, it seems like that, right? I feel like I'm the same, quote unquote, person I've been my entire life. Uh, But eventually, I think you get, I think there's a point where... The human body builds and it, it uh, accumulates and, it, and it's got a purpose and it just keeps getting better. And then at some point, the human body says, you know what? Uh, what the fuck are we doing here? It's time to check out. And so it stops doing some of the, you know, day-to-day stuff your body typically does. Like, remember what the fuck you ate earlier or what's going on tomorrow, what happened yesterday. And my whole point in bringing this up is... A lot of people, I think, kind of grow, as they grow, they get older with their parents rather than when I reached, I'm 31 years old. All right, there's the truth. Uh, When I reached 31, my parents are respectively, to be honest, Jesus Christ, how old are my parents? Ah, it's fucking sad. 70 something. Now I'll just put it in the 70s. They're approaching 80, right? So that's boomer territory. And actually, I have a lot of pride in saying this because most millennials might not have boomer parents some millennials have gen xers as parents so it's kind of interesting i'm in this uh, i'm a day walker i'm almost like how are you how are your parents boomers well they had me when they were a little bit older all right so i think it's fine that people choose to have children later in life or younger in life it doesn't really matter but it does impact the way you think about your life as a child in relation to your parents so, like, for me, having parents who are older, my thought was, like, uh, probably in my adolescence, I started thinking, like, Jesus Christ, my parents are fucking old. And you you realize that, and, uh, but th- things happen later. So, for most of my life, my personal experience, my parents are the same people. And all of a sudden, late 70s, I don't know if this is true for everybody and their parents. I'm only, and if your parents never made it this far, I fucking apologize. I feel blessed, and this, I want to bring up a shroom story. Uh, the first time, just kidding, not the first time, and I might have told this story before, but I've done shrooms multiple times, and if you don't know what shrooms are, it's psilocybin mushrooms. If you don't know what psilocybin mushrooms are, they're psychedelic mushrooms, and there's multiple speciosos of these, and I think I had some golden dawn caps or some shit. Couldn't have been much more than... I don't know. I couldn't have had more than a few grams. But we split this back. How did I get here in this conversation? We're here, dude. We're talking about the Provo Kids shroom experience with uh, a friend in college. Let's just put it at that. I won't give too many details about this experience. Um, it, uh, it shocks me, my body to the core when I f- reflect on this because this was a psychedelic experience that absolutely changed my life. And uh, how did it change my life? It's a fucking crazy story, but it's also a boring story um, because it takes place over two days. And the first day, I'm with a group of friends. Let's just minimize this group of friends to four people. And we're all, you know, we get this bright idea like, let's do shrooms. And a lot of us, a lot of us, if there's four people, three of us have done shrooms. One hasn't. Okay, and the, this individual who hasn't done shrooms, unfortunately, had two parents die in a car crash. Whoa, so, whoa, Provo Kid, whoa, whoa, if I would have known any of this. Why are you doing shrooms with a guy whose parents died at a young age in a car crash? Well, get me, get me. So, we're in a group of friends, actually probably five people, six people, want to do shrooms. And, uh, 
Fuck, dude. It's a fucking intense couple days. Because you're doing shrooms two days in a row. Like, da 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 And the first day, me and my friend, we say, we're from Utah. We're the Utah guys. Okay? And uh, there's two other guys from outside of Utah. And they, well, our proposition, me and my friend, like, hey, if you're going to do shrooms, you should do them in a, like, I don't know, let's just say active setting. Um, cause I don't even want to get into set and setting and all these other things. This was when I was in college about 12 years ago. I wasn't even giving a fuck about setting setting, but I was aware of it. And I was like, yo, if you're going to do shrooms, Hey, let's get outside. <laughs> Dude, so that's what I suggested. That's what my friend suggested. Cause we're from Utah. We're a bunch of fucking mountain hippies. Okay. And, uh, we're with a group of guys, let's say five. And they say, all right. All right, we bought enough shrooms. Uh, if we, and I, they bought enough shrooms. They said, hey, if we do these shrooms, let's split it up in two, two days. The first day, we'll do what you want, okay? And this must be a lot of shrooms. I don't know who bought them. It's all a blessing. God gave me these mushrooms. Um, I certainly didn't pay for them. It was, uh, these individuals were very wealthy. I just might say that as well. So it's like, uh, I encountered this group of individuals and yeah, there were enough mushrooms for five individuals for two days. It was ridiculous. And the first night we took my friend and I's prescription. We said, Hey, let's go out, take the shrooms, whatever. Let's have a good time. Okay. So we order a taxi cab. Okay. And, uh, the taxi cab says, how many people do you want? We said, well, we have like five, six, six people, seven. Um, and they're like, all right, we'll send a van. So we're, this is the first night we do shrooms. So the way we took shrooms was peanut butter, honey, bread. And some people did no honey. I'm a big honey guy. And we also had like a carton of orange juice because there was this big myth when we were in college. Like if you did orange juice while you did shrooms, it maximizes. It's like a perfect synthesis of chemicals especially when you get the right mushrooms mushrooms love orange juice so we had a lot of mushrooms peanut butter honey bread probably wheat gluten um and we ate the mushrooms and then all of a sudden so this this high is kicking in and then the van pulls up and it's an arab guy very nice and like i said this was 13 years ago 12 years ago whatever fuck i'm old jesus Christ, it's all right. It's not a big deal, dude. Sometimes I'm young. I'm young. Uh, fuck. But the the reason I think I'm old is the guy says, as we get in the car, do you want to watch porn? And we all look at each other. The shrooms are just about kicking in. It's the body high point. So when you think about shrooms, if you've done it enough, maybe if I'm talking to someone who's done shrooms, I'm saying the experience is like walking through a series of doors. So if you've done shrooms... The point where we get into the van, right, is through the first series of doors where it's about a body high. You know, you're still like, I guess, in the cockpit of your decision making, right? You're still in this prefrontal cortex, like I'm here, I'm in the moment. Uh, the walls look like walls. <laughs> the car looks like a car. History looks like history. But I feel damn good. And that's uh, the series of Bardo steps uh, also as well. So psychedelic experience. Go look at that shit up as well. Long story short, we get in this van. The guy asks us, do you want to watch porn? Uh, we're about to go to a party, and the party is a college party. This isn't college. And I could add more details, but it's just like, fuck, how, much do I, how many details do I need? So we, we drive to the party. But as we drive to the party, we all decided porn was the best choice. I mean, you you put five straight men in a in a van, taxi van, and you ask them if they want to watch porn. What is this? Ten years ago, twenty and the twenty fifteens. Fuck, when was that in college? Around then, you ask men if they want to look at porn. Yes, and the way this guy played it, so he pulls out. I say, Jesus Christ! I'm in the. Sh I think I'm in the cockpit too. A uh, shotgun. I'm sitting shotgun, as far as I recall. And I'm the one who told him to play the porn. And I know that, yes, I am sitting shotgun. I'm in the very front because I'm, you know, I'm obviously a guy in charge. Look at me. I'm the one who is most comfortable being around anybody in a taxi. So I sit in the front. 
And the guy asks us if we want porn. I look back. I check everybody. They all nod. This could be me. I say, yes, we do want porn. We want porn before we go to this party. Okay. And he says, no problem. And he reaches back. So, if, so yeah, I was sitting shotgun because the dude goes like this. Ready? Reaches back. Pops open. Okay. Pops open that fucking little TV screen in these vans. Okay. And he, and he, then he yells back to the, the other men that I'm with. He yells back, you guys got to pull down your own TV. But he says it in an Arab, like, uh, perhaps accent. So they pull it down. And then he, then you're like, how does he play porn? My first thought was a DVD, but no, it was an iPod. So he pulls out his iPod. I'm like, I've seen this. I know people in high school who would download porn. Uh, off Livewire, BearShare, whatever it might have been back in the day, right? And they'd upload it to their iPods because that's you could play movies on your iPods. So many fucking Gen Zers are like, what's going on with this conversation? iPods porn? Yeah, there was a time where porn was only 30 seconds, okay, of a clip. It sounds crazy to even talk about all of this shit because so many people are ignorant to, I lived it, right? I lived it, but it doesn't matter. I'm getting bogged down in the type of porn we're talking about. This guy plays porn. Um, I get nervous, okay? But actually, good news. He thinks porn is Tupac, right, and an explicit video. Because he's Muslim or Arabic, and we all, we all start laughing off our fucking balls. So we're going to the party. In fact, it's not porn we're watching. It's a Tupac music video with tits. And we love it. It's so fucking funny. In fact, it's good music. We all would have, if he would have asked if he, like, do you want to listen to Tupac? We would have said yes, of course. But he played Tupac anyways in an explicit video, and it was fucking good. But unfortunately, right as we pulled up, okay, to the, the party, the music changed. And the video changed. It changed to hardcore, okay, pornography. And now. Uh, like what are you talking about hardcore pornography so there's this music call music video and i don't know if it's the actual music video i don't know anything about this i only saw this one time on shrooms uh maybe twice because i looked it up after to see was that the actual music video or did the guy play the porn what was this so there's this techno music and it was called set this if you want to know when this happened, this video should explain it all. When I say, when I, this should date the video that we watched. It was a porn video played off an iPod and it was satisfaction. Duh, 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 satisfaction. And it was like a bunch of like hardcore pussy in the mouth. Pussy in the mouth. Oh, fuck, thick in mouth. <laughs> so you know where Provo Kid's at. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hardcore, just really just. <clears throat> like it it was porn okay it was everything like there was no there was no question about it it was dnv okay it was explicit and as we pull up unfortunately the windows on this fucking taxi van weren't tinted so as we pull up and as we're driving through we're driving to this party okay and there's lots unfortunately it's a popular party okay there's there are people who want to be there Unfortunately for us. And there's people outside of this party. Unfortunately for us. And they look inside of this van taxi. We're all in. We're all high on shrooms. And all they see is five men, six men maybe, in a van watching hardcore porn. And if you hear anything, all you hear in the background is satisfaction. Satisfaction. And just like dick and mouth. That's what I meant to say. Uh... D&V, dick and vagina, just the hardest core porn. But in a workout, and that wasn't workout. If I recall, I can recall this quite clearly, actually. They were in, like, uh, construction worker outfits. And it was, like, this whole thing where, like, jackhammers and all this crazy shit. And we get out of the van. We're all, the shrooms are peaking. Maybe for some, maybe for others. And everybody, we get out. This is the first thing I hear stepping out of the van. Nice way to pregame, faggots. And I just sink in my psilocybin high and think to myself, 
How gay was that moment? Are we faggots? What was that about that whole situation? Why did I choose to say yes when the guy asked us if we wanted to watch porn? Why was it so funny when he played Tupac? And why was it ultimately dehumanizing to walk out of a bus to a party with porn in the car and be called a faggot? Well, that's the story. And that's the night I advocated for when I said, if you want to do shrooms, you got to do it in public. Okay? That was my experience. And it actually was a very fun night. So to shorten this story up, to get to the next part of the story. Fucking boring. Uh, go to the party. When you get in the party, my experience was like each room was a different zone. So you walk in. There was a dance party. You go to the next area. It was the kitchen. People were chilling, drinking. You go to the backyard. It was a fire. And it felt like you could just go to a different, uh, you'd say, I want to check into a different, excuse me, reality right now. It felt like kind of like, excuse me like that I actually don't remember where I woke up the next day or anything after that I think it was a relatively normal night I don't remember too much after that being at the party I think we went home I don't remember exactly anything too much after that but it was it wasn't anything crazy so it was just a normal like here's a shroom night uh, I did have uh, some of the memories are very vivid in my mind like pictures but um, I didn't it wasn't too much for me it was just a fun night. I was high ball. I was high as balls. Okay, but the next night. So now, let's get to the story, Provo kid. Chop, chop, chop. What the fuck are you even talking about, dude? I'm talking about this young man, and uh, someone's gonna have to help me on this. Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps you might have to help me on this one. Uh, I don't even remember how I started this shroom story, but uh, he. Nonetheless, here I am. Okay. Nonetheless. Here I am talking about this shroom experience. So the next day, we take uh, another individual's prescription on like, what should we do? And his his idea for when you do shrooms was staying inside of a house and watching a movie, a cartoon. Now, I was anti that. that I, like when I heard someone say like, you do shrooms, you stay in a house, like you chill. I was like, yo, that ain't me. I'm like an out and about cat. Okay, I'm a go and do my own thing cat. I'm not a stay in this boxed wall cat. Um, but we bought the, whoever bought the shrooms split it into two days. One day was a stay at home day. One day was a go out day. And let's just say for the individual who had two parents pass away at a relatively young age, the stay at home day wasn't very fun. Okay, in fact, when we did shrooms, Jesus Christ. This is, I was talking about parents and having old parents, huh? What a podcast. Boring. Um, so they do take shrooms. We all take shrooms. We watched Cloudy for a Chance of Meatballs. Might have been even the second fucking movie. I don't remember. Look it up. And we're watching this. Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. That's kind of what I remember. And then I noticed like homie slinks off kind of loses himself from everybody else and it's a small we're i won't say where we are but we're in a small apartment which is even more terrible it's like jesus christ shrooms in a small apartment trauma city dude for some people not for this guy (laughs) but this dude starts uh experiencing the fact that uh he doesn't have parents and he's in an environment where every other individual in the room has two parents or they're alive or you know what i mean like, that's the end, end of the story it didn't matter in fact it didn't matter at all that some people in this environment had parents who were divorced parents who didn't get along parents who had questionable questionable choices in their life that maybe made their chi- their children look at them differently none of that shit mattered right like None of that mattered. All this person could see was that, yo, my parents are dead. My mom and dad are dead. And we're all tripping balls on shrooms, okay? <laughs> and I won't say how the, how his parents died. It was a tragic event. It was an unfortunate event. It was an un, unfor, unforeseen circumstance that afflicted his family. He was... Uh, I mean, you you can count blessings after that event. There are no blessings, to be honest. There are no blessings. There is, I mean, there are, but they're not. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Your parents die. I don't give a fuck what happens to you. Your life's your life's not the same, dude. 
I don't. People could give you all the money in the world, ain't worth it. It's worth it to some people, maybe, depending on how they view their family. But Jesus Christ, this dude had no no parents, and uh, it was about four or five hours of sitting in that zone with another individual on shrooms, who, uh, you know, was really focused on the fact that he didn't have parents he could call. He didn't uh, have anybody. Didn't even have siblings. And you're on shrooms, dude? Whose idea was this? So anyways, let me close this story and say, well, what did you do, Provocate? I tried to help. And I learned quickly that my help was not helpful because I may have boomer parents, but I got parents and I love my parents and everything's good in my life, respectively. Right? So when you come into that I have that energy, whether you like it or not. I got good parents, good family. Okay. Uh, when you come with that energy to someone who has had no parents, no interactions with, uh, you know, their their mom and dad, I don't know how much you really think you can help. So I was pretty much, and everybody was like, I guess, left at a, a position of indecision on how to help this individual besides let them experience whatever they were experiencing. And it, and people talk about doing shrooms. Like, yeah, I do shrooms for sure in the right set and setting, but fucking be careful because you might be doing shrooms and somebody needs to process some shit. And while they're processing the fact they don't have parents, you get to decide what you think about having parents while somebody else is reflecting on the fact they have no parents. And I think that was one of the most profound experiences in my own personal life, right? And I had a, I'd been privy, if that's the right word, to other individuals in their lives who had, you know, I know people who didn't have a father, whether because they passed away or not, or mom because they passed away or not, or parents who were divorced. But that was the first experience in my life where it was very clear that having parents was far better than having no parents it didn't and and that's in terms of everybody who was in the room not just my parenting experience like in the sense that it was very clear that having a mom and dad was far more preferable than having no mom mom or dad right and it it really set the tone that if you want to hey if you want to bitch about your parents you're a fucking idiot okay now i don't mind bitching about my parents Okay, and saying, you know, tic-tac for that. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? But at the end of the day, boy, let me tell you, dude, it's hard to complain about anything that you have when you know people who haven't ever had it. So sometimes people do get in this trap of complaining about shit they do have when other people want it. And I understand it, right? Like sometimes blessings are burdens, right? And how can a blessing be a burden? But it's true. Some people aren't. You know, of the mind state that like, for example, I think being born with a normal, healthy male body is a blessing. But if you have the mind state that thinks it's a curse, well, I don't know what the fuck to do to help you. You know what I mean? Where you look at your body and there's some fucking problem with it. I don't know, dude. I don't even know if that analogy makes sense. Welcome. We're halfway through the show, everybody. Jesus Christ. I'm back on YouTube. That was a way too long discussion about mushrooms. And... Uh, I don't know what else or where else to really take this conversation. Uh, fuck, what else do I want to talk about? Let's be honest, dude. I want to talk about, let's talk about the Thorpe family, right? So if you've been in my personal sphere or even followed the last couple podcasts, you know about Ben Thorpe, a.k.a. Abel, the YouTube phenomenon, the YouTube uh, sensation that's taking over pretty much everywhere. Um, if you're not familiar, that's all right. It's not surprising. What I've realized is that internet famed him, uh, or e celebridum is relatively, it's like most things, right? Where I could talk about Marshall McLuhan and everyone's like, who the fuck is that? But he's an academic, wrote several books, intelligent guy, was on TV, gave lectures. He was a Jordan Peterson when there was no Jordan Peterson, and that's how everybody is. And that's how I think of fame, right? So when I think of fame, I think of Marshall McLuhan, McLuhan, McLuhan. And people don't understand this. Or even 
I was thinking about this. Let me talk about Ralph Albert Blakelock. Uh, he's a relative of mine. You might, many people might not know this, uh, but my name is Chance Blakelock. It's not a big deal. Uh, I don't. Sometimes what I've also noticed is there's this weird weird thing on the internet of people like you gotta you gotta share your real name when you create content. It's like what the fuck are you talking about? Like so why isn't Fox News uh, the CEO name? That's how much I don't know about Fox News. It's like. I don't think in any world of entertainment people use their real name as an act. Sometimes they do, right? Uh, sometimes they do. That is a sign of high artistry where artistry is crazy, first of all, uh, in any sense of its conception. And I'm losing myself here. But Ralph Albert Blakelock, here's my fucking point, okay? I'm related to a dude. It makes no meaning of nothing. But it is interesting who this individual is and what they've done and it is rather cool to be – not cool, but let me, let's, just, let's just say this. Uh, Ralph Albert Blakelock was an artist in America, and he was able to sell his art, whether he actually sold it or not. It's obviously uh, <laughs> up to debate uh, if he was a beneficiary of any of his success. I don't think he was. I don't think his family was in my personal experience. Uh, but Ralph Albert Blakelock. Blakelock, B-L-A-K-E-L-O-C-K, Ralph Albert Blakelock. So he was one of the first artists. So think about artists, okay? What is that term? Don't know what it means to you, don't really care, but there was a time in history where if you were an artist, and everybody knows this, okay, you made money when you died. You don't make money when you're alive. Are you fucking crazy? Everybody knows an artist is in plight. Their work is worth nothing. Why? Because, well, you only sell your art when you're dead, and then it becomes worth something. No, that's true for music more than anything. Okay. But what am I drawing towards? Right? Ralph Albert Blakelock, excuse me, broke that paradigm. He was the first, one of the first artists who sold their art for a respectable price while they were still alive. Okay? And how he did that was by being schizophrenic, unfortunately for him. And then you get into the whole fact, was he really schizophrenic? Maybe, maybe not. You could really delve into these issues. It's family history for me. For other people, it's just history. Don't, you know what I mean? You could, you could talk about this. You, men used to commit their wives to insane asylums for just being uh, in menopause. So poor Ralph Albert. I don't know how truly insane this individual was, how much people wanted to profit off of his artistic ability. But, uh, hey, Provocate, what are you bringing this up for? The Thorpe family, okay? There is this real thing right now that's happening across America and the world where celebrities or artists or performance artists is really what I call anybody on YouTube. You're a performance artist, okay? You're performing. You're not really... There's this real desire to be genuine, but you're performing. Uh, there's this real push in this culture right now to where you can be an artist and make money while doing it. Uh, but they've set these certain thresholds or cap holds on uh, how you can monetize things. And I'm all for that, right? So this Thorpe family or any artist who wants to monetize their own artwork, I am all for that. Monetize the fuck out of whatever you want to monetize. But I will say this. I think art in its soul, if it is truly to be pursued is the main goal is never monetization. So you, so my other, my point is this, if you're an artist and you make YouTube videos like this, right? Which people don't call art, right? Then they're like, Oh yeah, you're a YouTuber. You're just live streaming. You're not an artist. What the fuck? People are idiots. Okay. So you don't really need to listen to that background noise, right? So if you are on YouTube, if you are creating audio visual, content you're an artist it's just the simple truth and i don't like that maybe as someone who's more of a real artist you know i do paint and brush i'm a real artist oh man artists are just as bad as teachers and wanting to proclaim dominance over a field oh you're only a teacher if you can be certified i don't know why a mom or dad ever thinks they could be a teacher stay-at-home parent who's also a homeschooler 
there's no way they know as much as I do, right? Man, because that's what everybody does. They, they maintain authority over whatever field they're in, I guess. Dude, this is the Provo Kid Podcast. I'm talking about the Thorpe family, Ben, a.k.a. Ben Thorpe, B-E-N-T-H-O-R-P, a.k.a. Abel. I'm, and the reason I give this shout-out on this podcast is because I've been on their live stream. So most Provo Kid fans, they might want more Provo Kid content. Um, like, well, I like Provo Kid. I want to know his thoughts. Okay, well, I share my thoughts on other platforms or other services sometimes, and that is where you can find it. I have been on the live stream with the Thorps, and all I can say is they're good people. And the reason, if I, this is my Thorp segment. Nobody really gives a fuck. I'm not like most YouTubers. I'm a podcaster, dude, is honestly what I've fucking realized. Uh, I just talk to myself, and that's perfectly fine. I don't need to talk to other people. Uh, but the Ben Thorps are, if you don't know this, they're, they're a family. And they're on YouTube. And they're entering into a new... I mean, here's the thing. An artist always lasts, right? And if they're real artists, if they're in pursuit of what they're going after, they'll last on YouTube. Otherwise, they won't. But they're in pursuit of establishing some presence online. And they're doing it through... Uh, I would say very efficient, but yet controversial means, which is eliciting conflict for content. And I don't mind conflict for content. It's a very, and I, I separate myself from almost all content creators because all these content creators, every single fucking one of them, they need people. They need an audience. They need money. Their life revolves around, uh, I need attention. Okay. I'm simple. Dude. I'm a simple dude. Hey, but these other people, they need monetization. Right, they need, and maybe all. Hey, I don't ever want to reach the day where like I need money, and I, I, I need money to be a YouTuber. I need money to make a podcast. To me, that is anti-art. Like if you look at most artists, they're they're like for me, I will make YouTube videos. I will make podcasts, whether I have, whatever I have. Like it's just what I like to do. It's my, it's the thing I like to do. But there are people who only engage in an art form for profit. So art for profit is something I I don't mind, right? But it's something that just happens, right? So YouTube is an art platform. People don't like that. There's first of all, if you're an artist and if you don't like the way I'm calling things art, go fuck yourself, okay? Certainly go fuck yourself. YouTube is an art form and maybe I'm just trying to defend my own use of it, but to be honest, I've painted on enough canvases. I've done enough doodles. I've done enough things to validate my artistic skill. You know what I mean? Fuck that shit. The idea that Michelangelo or Nietzsche or anybody would be doing the old artistic art forms and like Nietzsche's an artist? Yes. Poetry is art. Word is art. Dude, I have this very wide encompassing view of art where most people don't. But you'll meet an artist and they become attached to these forms where They'll look at someone like the Thorpe family and they'll say, they're not artists. They're just clout chasing. They're ankle grabbing. They're doing these things that uh, are after profit. All right. They're after profit. They're still making propaganda. They're still making art. They're still making things. Right? They're, they're making stuff. And I hope it lasts. Right? Like, I hope these individuals are in sincere pursuit. And if not, I don't give a fuck either. Who really cares if the Thorpe family is in honest pursuit of the, the goals they're after? And all I can say is, after being on the Thorpe channel, even Hormaxer's channel, which is an interesting channel, Hormaxer, when I found out about YouTube and these YouTube communities... I don't want to say I was ignorant, but I was certainly ignorant because I never gave a fuck, right? But my goal was never to, as a YouTuber, and that's what I am when I post my podcast on YouTube because I'm back, baby. I'm back on YouTube. My goal was never to be a YouTuber or a content creator. It was just, what was my goal? My goal was just to spend time in a, in a manner or form that I thought was beneficial to me. Uh... And that, in a way that I liked, uh, most importantly. But a lot of people are on these platforms to monetize and to make money. And I'm not against those individuals. But after seeing their their approach, 
Like, I'm all for it. Like, yo, let me get to a thousand subscribers. Uh, let me monetize my channel. I didn't know super chats were such a big fucking deal where people paid for you to read their comments. Now, none of that shit ever mattered to me, right? Because I'm talking to myself. Now, when you're talking to yourself, people could pay $100 for you to read their comment. Guess what, bitch, motherfucker, cunt, dick, asshole, whoever you might be, or person, let's say it kindly. When you talk to yourself, you don't read anybody else's comments. So I'm at a deficit already because my initial approach is that I only talk to me. And if I for a second thought that reading anybody's comment was of value, my my rule of thumb is this. You can't buy my attention. Because as soon as you buy my attention, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to you and I'm doing your whole, you know, song and dance, monkey clap bullshit. You know what I mean? That's why I talk to myself for an hour typically on this podcast. And because you can't buy my attention. My attention is high level, uh, no bumper rails. Um, I'm talking to myself and I have the most original thoughts, most original content on YouTube as far as I've seen. Because everybody else is like reacting to everybody else's content, reacting to what people say. They don't really generate original. They generate originality after a response, but they're not. They're not original by any stretch of the meaning. And when it comes to content creation, they're just reactionary. And what I've noticed most importantly on any any level, right? Most content on YouTube that I've encountered recently is reactionary. It's just people reacting. And you'll say to yourself, maybe you're listening and you're going to say, Provo Kid, you are only reacting right now. And you're right. You got me. I am reacting to my day's events and my life events, but I'm not reacting to any stimulus that's presented in front of me. In other words, nobody's telling me to read their comment. Nobody's paying me money right now to have a thought. Uh, There's nothing in front of me visually that leads me, like so for example, there's no, I can't read chat. If you're wondering, you might be watching this, there's no, I'm not reading chat. It's not available for me to read. Um, I'm looking at myself right now. That's all I see. I just see me. And it's hyper, uh, hyper, hyper. I love that word a lot. Let's just, I'm going to pick a couple words I like lately. Hyper. Um, Here's something else I'm going to say. Because everybody's so involved in reactionary content, they don't know how to think for themselves, period. That's why someone like me is fucking refreshing. Because I come into an environment, right? And I can think for myself. I have my own thoughts. I don't need anybody really to give me anything. I I like, I'm always like, you want to know what a fountain of thought is? That's this guy. You want to know, uh, old faithful? That's me, right? I am someone who is always just thinking, I don't, and unfortunately I've been raised and subdued in an environment where I've been subjected to constant stimulus. And although I'm faced with constant stimulus, I'm still an individual who, when given the opportunity can talk to themselves. I don't need much besides my own thoughts. And I I like that. Okay, I like that for me. Um, I like being able to just connect with myself as far as content creation goes. And look, I I may be a little bit self-congratulatory here and you know, recognizing the fact that yeah, you you know what I am different. I'm not like these other live streamers, okay? I don't and this is something Ben Thorpe says. He says I'm Hollywood. I don't reach out. Ben Thorpe Have you been watching my podcast? Obviously not. But paranoia might suggest you have been. And you might have seen that I don't read chat. You might have seen that I am hyper Hollywood. I like that word. Where the only thing I do is what I want to do. In in other words, if you're... Right now, some people are typing, I'm sure. And they're fans. They're good people. And they want me to perhaps respond to that. But that's not Hollywood. Okay. I, I, and I have done that in the past a couple times. Um, and if you're a hardcore Provo Kidian, uh, you'll know when I have and haven't talked about my thoughts on responding to stimulus outside of when I start a podcast. And I'm not against it. I'm not saying don't talk to me. Because uh, I do leave the live chat. I do leave these opportunities or these windows for people to interact with. They're there for you, not for me. 
Okay, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to myself. I'm here to find out what I fucking think. And a lot of times, I think people are providing a charity when they're allowing other people a platform to share their thoughts or their ideas. And it's very nice that people do that. I'm not doing that right now, right? I just started this live stream. That's what people call it. It's a podcast for me because I hit record. It's going to be an hour long. I got 15 minutes left. And it does get difficult to fill the dark void of silence. And that's why people are so used to reactionary content. The reality is, okay, most people aren't fucking entertaining. They need something around them. Because most people are what? What would you call them? They're ornaments. They only look good in contrast with their background. Otherwise, you wouldn't fucking watch them at all. In other words, who, how entertaining is anybody, right, when they're just reacting constantly to stimulus around them, right? So I don't need that shit. Fuck, fuck reacting. Uh, thanks for joining us here. This is the Provocate Podcast. Uh, we don't have much longer left in this podcast. I, I'll, let me reflect on my time on Rumble. I'm still live on Rumble right now. So if you're watching on Rumble, thank you. It's going to be short-lived. As, as long as I have my YouTube here, and even if my YouTube gets shut down in the future, I will YouTube Max again. Um, and it's interesting to be a live, to live stream a podcast. And the, like, why do you live stream your podcast, Provo Kid? Let me tell you, you fucking idiots. I'm just kidding. You're all smart. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely a high IQ individual. So why do I live stream my podcast or why do I do it live? I've said several reasons before, but let me be short and brief in my reasons now. When you live stream a podcast, there's this sense of, I guess, an edge, right? So there is an idea of an audience as well. So if you don't talk, you get pushed over the edge and the audience is the fall below you. Um, and that's how I, I kind of see the whole value of live streaming. But even let's dive deeper. Go deeper on that one, Provogan. The reason I like live streaming is because Joe Rogan used to live stream his podcast. And that used to excite me when I was younger, right? This is 10 years ago. And you'd have YouTube on your shitty little iPhone, like I did. And you'd see a notification pop up saying, Joe Rogan is live. And you'd be like, no fucking way. This dude's live right now? Talking? I can chat? What's going on? And that whole experience of that moment really drove me to create content that's live. And one reason I, I like live content is, although I don't read chat, right? I'm not looking at anybody who's talking right now while I'm talking out loud. I do like the idea of participatory propaganda or content where if you're watching this, okay, and it's live, you can interact with other people who are watching it live. That seems to me kind of exciting kind of cool uh and most people want to participate in the content and the next level of participation is the super chat where people pay to have their comments read and i just want to let everybody know right now even when i get youtube monetization even when i reach the pinnacles of podcasting success i won't read your shit unless i want to read it right like you could there won't be donating. Like, the people might donate super chats. People might donate stuff while I'm live streaming to get my attention. But let's just be really honest about this. I'm not here for that. And I got to tell myself this now. And I've been telling myself this for a long time as I've been creating content. Because I really believe that I've been creating content like this for a while. And the reason I've been able to do it for so long is because it's what I want to do. And I think once you put excuse me, money over everything else, then you're like, oh, I didn't get reinforced with enough super chats today. I guess I won't live stream. Or you are reinforced enough and that's why you do live stream. You don't even live stream anymore because, or I call it podcast. You don't do these things anymore because, you know, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not enough or it's too much or like whatever it is, this idea where people... And their artistic choices are dependent upon their reinforcements received. Aren't I mean, they are artists. You are an artist, okay? But a sincere and... I, what does it matter, man? I think the whole point I'm drawing, drawing towards is people want money. And artists want money. But 
uh, I think it, as far as the creation of art goes, if your goal is to create art for money or if your goal is money, your art might be – it might sustain you for a while. But eventually I think you lose the value in creation because your reinforcement is determined – your reinforcement of creation is determined by something external, which is profit. And I think if you're a real artist, uh, the thing that tells you to keep creating is inside. It's not somebody else. Right? The reason I do this fucking podcast or live stream, it's not because somebody's telling me to or giving me money to do it. It's because I want to fucking do it. It's very simple. And as soon as I make it about something else or somebody else, then I think you lose a little bit of genuineness. And as I've talked about before, it doesn't matter. We're all fake. Every podcaster, every YouTuber, it's a persona, right? And so, I mean, it's just degrees of fakeness. I am, you know, I try to be, I try to be, if being genuine and honest is the color white and being fake is black, I try to be close to white or gray as possible. I probably end up more gray than anything. I honestly believe that the most Honest individuals are most likely intellectually disabled where they have no filter, right? Or they've come to a point in their life where uh, they can actually take off their veil of persona. So I'm not to draw it towards Kanye right now, but I do. I listen to Kanye's recent – and anybody shitting on Kanye right now, um, they're doing it because they have a lack of data. Right? So if you want to admonish Kanye West right now or give him a label – uh, I think that's fair. Everybody should be able to give labels as much as they'd like. But if you have something to say about Kanye in a critical fashion um, and you're sincere about it and you think your opinion matters, let me just tell you, you're a fucking idiot. Okay, Dude's been through some shit. Um, he calls himself a priest in the Kardashian Kardashian, Kardashian family. And when you think about the Kardashian as witches, you think about like what kind of priest would be in a witch family? You get bogged down in these conspiratorial elements but at the end of the day i don't know what the fuck i'm even talking about right i'm talking about kanye west i guess fuck dude's entertaining uh he's hyper christ-like i don't know man podcast is getting down to the end i appreciate everybody listens later i i mean my biggest podcast days are monday as weird as that is um because everybody goes to work and they listen to a podcast on their way to work so either way um what should i finish this episode about i i'm always astonished by the way when i can talk for any amount of time longer than uh 20 minutes because it's fucking shocking but it's not at the other end i'm entertaining as fuck i'm a high level entertainer and i'm a real artist uh which a lot of people don't seem to understand um, and I'm still understanding and breaking down the concept of what it means to be an artist. And I'll say this, okay? As far as performance art is gone, excuse me, as far as my mouth is getting dry as fuck. But as soon as you drink, this is another point, by the way. If you listen to the podcast, when you talk incessantly or never endingly, your mouth gets dry. You have to eventually take a sip, which leads to dead air. And there usually is an ad break or some segment that breaks up this podcast or a podcast. Um, but I don't do ads. Okay. Uh, I never will. Right. This isn't about money, but I do respect people who are after money. Maybe this podcast will turn into money one day. We're like, Oh man, I better fucking tell people to subscribe and like whatever. I do tell people to do that, but it's not after a monetization concept. Um, what am I going to end on? I think I feel like, ooh, you know what I've been liking lately? You know what I've been liking lately? A lot of things, okay? And I've been disliking several things. Let me say this. A lot of people want answers. Okay, they want answers for God. They want answers for the government. They want answers for their own thoughts. Right. But let's just ask, like, where do these problems, answers come from problems, right? Like answers are, in, in some sense, synonyms for solutions. So people want solutions, all right? That's fair. 
I want a solution too. Everybody wants a solution. That's why humans are game oriented. People, I don't know if I'm breaking this mold too open for you, but let's do it. Humans are game oriented. So most children love games. Most people love discovery. Most people want to find things out. And that's why, uh, in general, people become fascinated with anything. They want to learn and solve a problem. So when we talk about the Thorps, we're going to end on the Thorps here. They seem to be a problem because they are. There's several problems in this family. And what the Internet loves to do is prescribe and fix things. And there's so many dysfunctional people who want to look at this family and so many people without families. First of all, the Internet is a massive group of people without a generalized family. And because if they had a solid family, and some people do have solid families and do participate on the Internet. I'm one of these people. But in general, most people on the Internet don't have families. And they look to join these uh, quote-unquote faux families. And faux families are cultures, paradigms, viewpoints. Like uh, They could be anything. And that's what I think a lot of people like doing. They become members, they become followers, they all want to become part of a family. So the Thorps are capitalizing off this without turning their channel into a family channel. And I think a lot of people like to become a part of something, but they also like to have a solution to what the problem is. So this family is a problem. There's dysfunction within the family, right? And the only reason we know there's dysfunction is because they present it. Otherwise, nobody would know anything. And so you have a bunch of internet sleuths, such as me, who are dedicated towards solving the problems, right? Because that's what humans do. Humans are game-oriented. We all have a desire to solve fucking problems. And that's what this family is capitalizing off of, is the need for other people to solve the riddle of why they're doing what they're doing. And I have my own thoughts. I have my own beliefs. None of them really matter. But they do want to be monetized this family, the Thorpe family. So go ahead and honestly, I don't plug too many people, so I'll plug them and because they do want to be monetized. And I think it's because, well, I won't tell you why, uh, but they do want to be monetized and start making profit. I don't know if they're real artists. They're starving artists, so to speak. So go ahead and follow them. We're going to end the podcast with uh, Hollow Hit. Oh, you know what? I said I wanted to be a little bit different. We're going to play... I like Lily House, dude. God bless you all. Thank you for watching. Many blessings.
serious? Are you keeping it? Are you breathing it right in for you? Is it sinking in? Are you sipping it? And if you're funny, where are you? Through the minimal, sort of mystical, and it has no meaning.